theyeshiva.net. The last Taita, or one of the last Taitas, the Magid of Mizrich, Rabbeinu Rebdoiv Ber, the Rebbe Reber, said to his Chavraya Kadisha, to his close students, was on Shabbos Parshas Vayishlach, Tezayin Kislev Tovkuf Lamed Gimel. 1772, December 1772. Only three days later, on Tuesday, Yutas Kislev Tovkuf Lamed Gimel, the Holy Magid would return his great soul to its maker. What was the Torah he told his students? Vayishlach Yaakov Malachim Mamish. Rashi says, it was Malachim Mamish. Said the Magid, yes. The Mamish of the Malachim, Yaakov sent to Esav. The Ruchnis of the Malachim remained by Yaakov. The Rebbe asked a few questions on this Torah of the Magid. The biggest question, the first question was, why wouldn't he send the Ruchnis of the Malachim? That would be more effective. Number two, how could you even separate between the two? Number three, it seems to be contrary to the point Rashi is making, that he actually really sent Malachim, and the Magad is saying, not really, the real Malach stayed by Yaakov. As a result of which the Rebbe says, that we have to understand the title of the Magad a little deeper. What the Magad means is not that the Malachim were split and dichotomized to some degree. What it means is that even when Yaakov sent all of the Malachim to Esav, their core, their pnimius, their neshama remained with the Yaakov. In other words, even though they were by Esav, they did not get lost in the experience. They knew that they are shluchim of Yaakov. They're always connected to Yaakov. Why are they there? They're not there because somehow Esav's world is appealing to them. They're there because Yaakov sent them on a mission. So even when they're by Esav, their physicality is by Esav. Their mamish is by Esav. Physicality relative to the world of the Malachim. But their true core, their true essence, remains where? By Yaakov. Just like the guf. The guf is a conduit for the soul. The body is completely connected and bottle and subservient to the soul. It's a conduit for the soul. So you say that uh, the fact that they were by Esau, it wasn't it was a hechitimtze, it was a conduit in order to be able to fulfill the shlichus of Yaakov. Only their, their, their mamish was by Esav. According to this, we'll understand that the Magad is not negating Rashi's words. The Magad is explaining Rashi's words. The ability for the Malachim to be able to affect Esav, to be able to sublimate him, to be able to accentuate the light that's in him is... Because the Ruchni has never left Yaakov. Because it always remained with Yaakov. That's why they were Malachim Mamash. He sent the Malachim in a way that they were, and they remained real Malachim. Even over there they were Malachim. They weren't affected, they weren't changed. They remained in their full intensity by Esav. Why? Because they never left Yaakov. Since this title was said on the last Shabbos of the Magad's life, and to his Chavraya Kadisha. It means, the Rebbe says, that this captures something essential of what the Magid wanted to give, leave over to the world. It's like a tzavo, like a final will and testament to the Jewish people about Avedis Hashem. What is Avedis Hashem according to the Derech of Chesidus, the Derech of the Balshemtiv and the Magid? 
not only for the students right there and then, but for future generations, because the Magid was the ultimate pedagogue. He was the ultimate teacher. You see what he accomplished. He raised students. Each of them was a shining, became a shining star in the Jewish world that created generations and generations of Talmidim, Oivdei Hashem, with, with awe and love. Besides him being a student of the Baal Shem Tev, you see what type of pedagogue he was, which means when he was saying something, especially the last Shabbos, the Rebbe says this of Tzavo here. Furthermore, the Rebbe Yitzhak of Baditchev said, we all ate from one dish, on the Litvak, the Litvak, referring to the Balatanya, the Alte Rebbe, Rebbe Shnei Zalman, or the Magad would call him Rebbe Zalman Yuru. He, he grabbed the, the cream, the the best part, the choicest part, and the Alter Rebbe was there, because the Alter Rebbe is the one who said over, how do we know this word from the Magad? It comes from the Balatanya, who said it over at the Shalom Zohar of his son, Reb Chaim Avram, years later, a few decades after the Stalkus of the Magad. The Balatanya said over this story that he heard, and he was there. So the Rebbe says, obviously there was also a connection and a message for him. And furthermore, the Magad told the Balatanya, that time, whether it was Shabbos or Sunday, right before his, his passing, could be even Tuesday, that Yutes Kislev is our Yoim Hilul, it's our celebration day. It's the Magid's Yartzeit, and the Alter Rebbe is Chagagula. So it seems that Rebbe says that this Torah, which was said right before the Yoim Hilula, is also connected to the second Yoim Hilula, to the second celebration. Hilula means a wedding, which is the Gula of the Balatanya. Siv Dalet. Yoim Gula ze Yutes Kislev, achidush abayu, yofutsu, the day of the Geula, of the Balatanya, what's the real theme? And what's the real contribution of this day? It's captured in three words. The Pasuk in Mishlei, Your wellsprings should be disseminated outward. And we all know that this Pasuk is a Pasuk that was used in a letter that the Baal Shem Tov wrote to his brother-in-law. Printed in Ben Paris Yosef in Kesar Shemtev. There's a letter the Baal Shemtev wrote to his brother-in-law, Reb Gershon Kitiver, that Rosh Hashanah Tovkov Zayin, Rosh Hashanah 1746. He had an alias neshama. His neshama went up to the higher realms. He went into the chamber of Mashiach. He said, When are you coming? Mashiach said, Probably you know it from the song. Right? When your wellsprings, when your teda, when your teachings will be spread out outward. Now you have to understand that in Chabad, these three words of Mashiach became a mission statement. You see it right here. If this is serious, the Baal Shem Tev writes this in a letter, that this is what Mashiach told them, this became an incredible mission statement. That the teachings of the Baal Shem Tev, the Mayonis, the wellsprings, we learned about what Mayonis are in previous Shiurim, in the Maimer Vayach Puruav, the Yitzchak Banochal, we learned the Svasemes and Vayetze about the wellspring, the Be'er Basada, the Mayonis, the wellsprings of the Baal Shem Tev, the vivifying waters of the Baal Shem Tev, pulsating, coming from his wellspring, from his Mayan Amizgaber, should be a Futsu should become accessible to every single Jew, to the entire world. Mashiach said, this is the prerequisite for my coming. Now you'll ask, what's the connection? It's not a zgula. 
Because the Torah of the Baal Shem Tev, this is the Torah Sagaula. When the Torah of the Baal Shem Tev fills the worlds, it doesn't only fill the world, it fills my own world. Chutzah starts here, Chutzah doesn't just start. Chutzah doesn't only start on Zoom, Chutzah starts here. When that Torah fills the person, he or she is already in a state of Geula, is in a state of a consciousness of Geula. What's Geula? Geula is a consciousness of Einaid Malvadai, of oneness. Malar Deus Hashem Kamam What happened, Yutas Kislev? The history of it is well known, but the point is there was a terrible Messira. They informed, Jews informed on the Alter Rebbe to the Tsarist government. And the accusation was extremely severe. He was being accused of treason. A black wagon comes, a wagon that was reserved for the greatest criminals in the country, and takes him away from his home. He's living in Lyazhna in Belarus, after Sukkot, Tovkov Nuntes. He's brought to the, to the capital, pretty far journey. Brought to the capital, which is, at the time, it's called Petersburg. Petersburg. Named after Peter the Great. Yeah. He's thrown into a prison. I went, I visited there. When you go to Petersburg, there's a special prison, a fortress. It's on an island. You know, like they have in America Alcatraz. So the criminals shouldn't be able to run away. That's where they put him. They have a special fortress that's on an island. You can't get from there. You can't get to it on, on, on the, on the ground. You have to go through water. This was an extra security measure. And that's where they put him. The, the, the island is still there. With the fortress, you could see it. And that's where Al-Tarebbe was in prison. The investigation was very, very serious. The charges were very serious. You were dealing here with a, a, that he was charged not with doing something wrong, but with creating a movement that is undermining the sovereignty of the Tsar and the success of the country, not with personal motivations to overthrow the Tsar and to help Turkey, which was hostile to Russia, make a revolt, revolution against Russia. Very serious charges. Of course, in reality, they had no Yisoyed. It was all distortions of reality. And Tuesday, Yutas Kislev, Tovkuf Nuntes, the Alter Rebbe was liberated, as he writes in a letter to Rebbe Yitzchak Badichev, and to the Baruchol of Mezhibosh, the Rebbe the Baruchol, the grandson of the Baal Shem Tev, that it was Tuesday, I was saying to Hillem, I came to Kapitul Nunhei, I said the Posek Pada, B'Shalom Nafshi Mikravli, Kibirabim Hayu Imadi. He says, before I started the next Posek, Yotsasi B'Shalom Me Hashem Shalom. I went out in peace from the God of peace. And since they, that day, Yotis Kislev is celebrated. But here's the question, and this is what the Alter Rebbe and the successor, the Rebbe's that succeeded the Alter Rebbe would always explain on Yotis Kislev. Nothing happens down here in this world if it doesn't first happen up there in the higher world. The Gemara says, right? Even something like stubbing my finger doesn't happen down here if there wasn't an announcement up there. This world, this place, our planet is not in a vacuum. It's, it's part of a, of a huge, infinite divine picture. And everything is by divine providence. So when there's an accusation against the Balatanya, that he wants to overthrow the Tsar, even if it's baseless, and it's coming from hatred, or from jealousy, or from misguided ideas and calculations that were contrary to reality, that he's endangering Yiddishkeit, etc. But the Rebbeinu Shalolam allowed it to happen. And if it happens down here, it's because something happened up there. So the Rabbeim used to explain, the Rebbe used to explain that there was a Kitrug. There was a tremendous heavenly opposition to the Balatanya. 
And the Baltanya then represented in, in Russia, in Belarus, in Lithuania, he was the representation of the Balshemtiv, of the Magad, of Chsidis. Which is why he wanted to go up to Artisra, he didn't want to stay. Reb Mendel of Itepsker, in Tovkov, Tovkov Lamad Zion, 1777, a few years after the Magad passed away, there was the first Aliyah of the Chsidim to Artisra. They settled in Tveria, the big Aliyah. Then there was the Aliyah of the Talmudim of the Vilnagan years later. But this was a tremendous Aliyah. This is before Zionism. <laughs> a whole community went up and the Baltanya wanted to go. And he went. He went. But on the way, the Mendel of Vitebska sent him back. He said that Russia, Belarus, Lithuania needs a manhig, needs a leader. So there was tremendous opposition in heaven for the Hizgalus, for the revelation of Teres Achsidus, of Pnimius Atayr of the Balshamtov. Because there was opposition in heaven, therefore, there was also opposition on earth. It's not that the Tsar knows what's happening in heaven consciously, but subconsciously, there's a flow. If there's something up there that's flawed, there's a distortion, there's something wrong, it's expressed itself down here. Just like we know, for example, in the world of therapy and psychology, yeah? I may be dysfunctional. I may be saying things that are not, that are undermining my life, my relationship, my marriage, but what's happening it doesn't begin with what happened right there and then. It's, it's deep, it's deep issues that are unresolved in my psyche, maybe from youth that are just coming out from the subconscious. The same is true with everything in the world. It doesn't begin with what's happening at the surface. It's always beneath the surface. What's happening on the subconscious level, on a spiritual level, on a heavenly level. And because there was opposition in heaven, therefore there was opposition on earth. What happened? Yutas Kislev. Yutas Kislev said that Abiz. The Kitrug in heaven was removed. Automatically, automatically he came out of prison. That's why they celebrated Yutas Kislev every year with so much passion. Of course, it was a Suda a, a feast of gratitude for the Chayagullah of the Balatanya. Chsidim Armechuyev, and want to celebrate a Ness that happened, Ness Shanasal Rabbi, a miracle that happens to your Rebbe, and this continues generations afterwards. But here, it wasn't just a personal miracle that he came out of prison. And it wasn't even just a personal miracle that he could continue teaching, and continue writing, and continue mentoring Klal Yisrael, and continue creating all that we have till today, as the ultimate Eved Hashem. But rather, they saw it as a didan notzach. It was heaven's declaration that yafutsu maynesecha chutzah. That what Mashiach told the Baal Shem Tov, That chsidis needs to penetrate the whole world. That the oir of chsidis, the oir of Einoid Mulvaday, the oir of Achtos Hashem, the pnimius of Torah, the pnimius of a Jew, the pnimius of the world, the quintessence of what real, real Yiddishkeit is, the gili of Ein Soif in the world, pure infinity in the world now has the license to be able to go out far and wide in the person himself or herself, and ultimately in the whole world, That's the Yom Tov of Yutas Kislev. The Rebbe Rashab called it Rosh Hashanah L'Chsidus. The Rosh Hashanah of Chsidus. That's why the Rebbe says here that the Chiddush of Yutas Kislev is Yafutsam Anasachachutsa. Heaven granted the permission, and it wasn't an easy permission, because whenever you want to reveal something that is the essence of life, the essence of Ein Soif, not so simple. Just like those of you, yeah, those of you who only in recent years came to understand a little bit the Eid of Chassidus, you know how much resistance there is. There's resistance. Why is there resistance? Resistance because it's new. And it's, it's revolutionary. It's nuclear energy. 
the Chiddush of Chassidus says, doesn't change anything in Torah, Chalila, and yet it changes everything. Doesn't change anything in terms of a halacha, shulchanar, chas v'shalom. Torah is mechlefes, but it changes everything. Because it doesn't change the reality of halacha, but it changes your eyes, your perspective on everything. Beginning from yourself, to your marriage, to your children, to your relationship with Hashem, to Teireh, Mitzvahs, Menhagim, Shabbos, Yomtev, Halacha, Nigla, Nister, Amishna, Agamara, Pasuk Chumash, the world, current events. Every aspect of life is redefined and transformed by Chassidus. The infinity of it is revealed, the harmony of it is revealed, the oneness is revealed, the Tainug, the synchronization with the ultimate unity of Ein Saif is revealed. Rebezriel, atamaskim? Huh? Two thumbs up. Reb Shalom, the Harst? Do that Harst or do the Harst? Kanshin Zagan Lechayim yet for you, Tazkisov. You don't have to wait till Mitzayi Shabbos. I'm ready, I'm ready. Okay, it's Wednesday. Wednesday in Shir Shayang, we say Lechunaranana. Right? The Gemara says in Psach, Chaim Vlevracha. Again, you made a coffee and you forgot about me. It's becoming a pattern. Next time will be a chazaka. Okay. I can bring it over. I can bring it over there. You want stuff up? <laughs> no, no. My wife makes me a wonderful coffee. The main thing is to give us the kaveh al Hashem. The kaveh, the kaveh al Hashem. Why is there resistance? There's resistance for good reason. Because when something so deep and so powerful is going to be revealed in your life, if you're a normal person, you're like, wait, wait. Especially in our world where we're so cynical and defensive and there's so much resistance. So that's why there's a kitrug in us as well. That kitrug begins in heaven. It's a very serious gilui. Matan Torah didn't happen as I, you know, Shabbos Nochen Shalant. The Jews ate Sholent, and Hashem said, Hashem That's not when it happened. It happened after Golos Mitzrayim. So the Balatanya says in Torah Eir, yeah, and we learned the whole Maima of Reb Hillel Paracher, last year in the summer, or two years, uh, two years ago in the summer, Tisha B'Av time. Matan Torah can't just happen after a Sholent, after you eat the little vanilla ice cream. Matan Torah happened after Golos Mitzrayim. The Jews were transformed for 210 years. The Matan Torah of Pnimi Yisat which by the way is Lagba Eimer, like Boim is the Matan Torah of Pnimi Yisatayra. Shavuos is the Matan Torah of Nigla Yisatayra, even though Shavuos is everything, because Matan Torah included everything. But in a more revealed way, like Boim is the Matan Torah of Pnimi Yisatayra, Pshimim Ben Yechai. That's why it's such a powerful day, like Boim, and that's why it unites Klal Yisrael in Miran by the cave of Pshimim Ben Yechai. It's probably the greatest kibbutz of Jews, at least till Corona. So what happens here is, there, there, there is resistance. It's a lo pashut. Comes Yutas Kislev, and that's when there was the license, the permission for your futsum and a And even though your futsum and a means the wellsprings of the teachings of the Baal Shem Tev of Chsidis, because, as the Zohar says, the Jewish people are linked with Torah. And Yisrael and Torah are completely one. So when there's a Chiddush in Torah, 
when there's a novelty in Torah, that Chiddush happens at the same time also in the Jewish soul. You can't create a Chiddush in the Jewish soul if there's no Chiddush in Torah. And there's no Chiddush in Torah if there's no Chiddush in the Neshama. That itself is, a, is one of the ideas of Chiddush. Neshama, Yisrael, and Torah are tightly linked. They're completely synthesized. Not only synthesized, they're one. So if you say that Yutas Kislev, there was a Chiddush in Torah, there was then a new revelation of Yafutzum and Esech Chutzah, heaven's permission, and therefore a new Hisgalus in the world of Torah Sachsidus. And it's not, it's, not only, it's not only permission, but it's also known, I spoke about this quite a few times in the Shiurim, that after Yutas Kislev, in, in Chabad, lex, in Chabad lex, lexicon, there's what's called Fire Peterburg or Nach Peterburg. Before Petersburg and after Petersburg. Far Peterburg means the Chsidis that Al Tereb taught before Yutis Kislev, Nach Peterburg is after Yutis Kislev. And it's known that Nach Peterburg, after Peterburg, there was a whole new revelation. Whenever there's a Chiddush in Torah, the same Chiddush is mirrored in the Neshama of a Jew and the Neshama of Knesset Yisrael. And conversely, if there's a real Chiddush in the Neshama of a Jew, that Chiddush is reflected in Torah also, because the two work together. Whenever you see a revolutionary spirit, in the neshama of a Jew, it's a new chiddush. There's a chiddush happening in Torah, and the same is the other way around. And therefore, it's reflected also in this chiddush of Yutas Kislev. Mayonis elu shebi Yutas Kislev huschala fotsasim chutzu. Hey, my mayonis the pnimiyus atayda niknas neshmasa deraisa. These mayonis, the wellsprings, that on Yutas Kislev, they began to be spread outward chutzu, all the way to the outermost corners of the human soul, and ultimately of our planet. What are they? They're the wellsprings of what we call Pnimi Yisatayra. The inner core of Torah, the Zayar calls it Nishmasa The Nishama of Torah, Zayar Chela Gimel Kufnun Beis. I think it's Parshas Baloyzcha. You see, he says in 18. Just like a person has a body, a gufan and a shama, the Torah has a gufan and a shama. The Pasuk says in Chukah Zayisatayra Adam. Torah is like an Adam. It says in Svadim, Torah is, is compared to an Adam. An Adam, a person, is comprised of a body and a soul. Soul without a body can't do anything. The body is what concretizes the soul. On the other hand, the body without a soul is missing its vitality and life. So Torah also, this Gufa Dairai said, this is the Zohar says, this is the Guf of Torah, the body of Torah, that's the concretization of Torah, the concrete physical manifestation of Torah. This is the whole world of what we call Nigla, the revealed dimension of Torah, which means that which is tangible and concrete. You're learning about an ox, you're learning about a donkey, you're learning about muktzah, you're learning about paying interest, you're learning about a vessel if it's pure or impure, you're learning about agriculture, you're learning about how to build an native, you're learning about what's chametz, what time you have to burn chametz, those of you started to learn Masech Tepsachim, you're learning about partners, civil rights, civil liberties, your gore, your, your ox gores another, your ox gores another ox, etc., all of halachas, whether you're learning Masechus Brachas, or you're learning Masech Tepsachim, or you're learning Edevin, or you're learning Masech Tachulun, or Baba Metziah, or Baba Basra, this is the concrete Taida, Taida Shabiksav, Taida Shabalpeh, that is revealed. What do we mean revealed? Revealed means that it's tangible. It's something I can relate to, just like I can relate to the physical, or just like my body. I can touch my body, I can see my body, I can even get an x-ray of my body. Nishmasadayra is the inner core of Taida. The pnimius of Torah, like the soul. The soul is the inner music of a person, the consciousness of a person. It's not tangible, but it's what makes us tick. It's what makes us alive. And in Torah, the two are completely one. They're synthesized. 
You don't have guf, just like in a person. You don't have a guf without a neshama. You don't have a neshama without a guf. We can't even say where one stops and one begins. Here the body stops, here the neshama begins. It's completely one. There's complete integration. This is the neshmasa that has the primis atayda the balshamtav and the magad and the magad students revealed and explained and disseminated to the Jewish people until this very day. And on Yutas Kislev, there was the special gilui, the special revelation of these mayamas. Lifnei Yutas Kislev. Haya begilui abahafatza rakhele katayr shenikri gufa deraisa nigla deteyr. Mashenki primi yisateyr shehu neshmasa, she neshmasa deraisa shaysa azbehelem. Before Yutas Kislev, what was revealed and what was spread forth was the part of Torah that we call the Gufa Deiraisa, the body of Torah, which is Nigla de Torah. And this, of course, includes the whole literature of Halacha, Mishnayas, Gemara, Torah Shabiksav, Torah Shabalpeh, Ga'oinim, Rishoinim, Achiroinim, Halacha, Shal Sachuvas, the whole Chelek of Nigla de Torah. Mashaik and Pnimi Yisa the inner core of Torah, what we call Nister, or Saida Satayra, Pnimi Satayra, Nishma Satayra, was always there, but it was more concealed. It wasn't articulated so much, it wasn't discussed, it wasn't explained, it wasn't brought out, it was there. And, and most Jews in previous generations, they sensed it, they felt it, it was, it was by osmosis, it was given over, because it's like the essential core of Judaism, but it was still concealed. You could compare it to the difference between the guf, the body and the soul. Haguf he mitzias gluyav in the kedesh efshel leisol lamashasha. Mashenkin on a shama leizul bulvat she efshel letoifsa beheyachosha magufnim elashi efshel asiga gam bekayach asechel hadak bekayach asechel lahagia rakli idias mitziusa shel on a shama aydei polas on a shama beguf dezesh haguf chay mechayev umevi leidias sichlus shabagufnim tzas nefesh chayam mechayos avol mohusa shel on nefesh he lamaila masaga sichlus. What's the distinction between the guf and the neshama? The body of a person, as I said before, is a revealed entity and it's a recognizable entity. You can see it with your eyes. You can touch it with your hands. You can smell it with your nose. You can, I don't know if you want to taste it, but I guess you can taste it to some degree with your mouth. And you can hear its sensations with your ear. It's nitfus. It's something that I can grasp with my senses. I see it. I touch it. I feel it. It's a very tangible, concrete reality. That's what the goof is. The neshama, what's the neshama? Describe to me the soul. What's the soul? Even in the world of science, in the world of science, You'll ask them, what's consciousness? What makes a person tick? What's inside of us? What's identity? Who's the I? There's debates from one extreme to another extreme. Why, why is it so complicated? Even the body is quite complicated. But at least the body, we, we're all made there. They're all made that exists. Because it's hard, to deny, it's hard to deny it. I'm sure not everybody agrees it exists. But at least most. Describe to me the soul. What is the soul? I know I have a soul. There's something inside of me. There's a difference between a living person and a corpse. So one, someone says, it's just electrical signals. It's like a machine. There is that philosophy, kevayachal, that the body is just like a machine. You put on a machine, yeah, the lights go on, and it functions. There's nothing else. The machine doesn't have personality. The machine doesn't have an identity. The machine doesn't have an eye. 
And they go so far to argue that our sense of I and identity is just a delusion. It's just how our machine works. Okay, we all know that it's not the case. <laughs> you could say we're all in a delusion. This machine is so sophisticated. But I think deep down most people have a sense. There's something called identity. There's something called I. Something called consciousness. Something called a soul. How do you describe this neshama? She says the neshama, first of all, there's no way to grasp it with the five senses. Can I touch my soul? Where? How do I touch it? Can I smell it? Can I taste it? I can eat it. My taste buds will detect it. Can I hear the soul with my ears? It's a sound that penetrates my ears. Can I see it with my eyes? So I can't see it. I can't hear it. I can't smell it. I can't touch it. I can't taste it. Number one. What about with my mind? He says, Even with my mind, can I grasp my soul? My mind can lead me to the conclusion that a soul exists. Why? Because I see the effects of the soul. But my mind cannot grasp and define what is an ashama. No mind can do that. The mind could reach the conclusion and the true conclusion that there is a soul. Because you look at life. Look at life. <laughs> this, this machine we call a body, something is giving it life. And the life is not just, it's not just a simple mechanism. You're dealing with the most extraordinary, brilliant mechanism. And the soul is, is the, the, the body is being animated. The design of the body, the functioning of the body, the animation of the body, every single moment, through the brain, the entire body, there's something here. There's something responsible for it. We call that an ashama. But what is it? I don't know. It's like electricity. Does electricity exist? Yes. Did you ever see electricity? Did you smell electricity? Did you hear electricity? Nobody ever saw electricity. You know why? You can't see electricity. But you could see the effects of electricity. We see it right here, right now. But you can't see electricity. Does electricity exist? Well, you can argue it doesn't exist. But when you see the effects of electricity, you know that it exists. So he says the soul. We know it exists because the, the, the life of the body tells us, it tells our minds that there is something that is responsible for the whole animation and vitality, vivifying and giving life to the body in all of its aspects. But what is the mohus? What is the soul? Tell me what it is. I don't know. I don't know. We have, we have some sense that there's something. We know that there is something. What is it? I don't know. My mind can't wrap its brain around it. So there's a huge difference between the body and the soul. This is the difference between Nigla and Plimius. Your typhus? Nigla the Taita is like the goof. It's Taita. It's Halakus, but it's like the goof. So you could see it, so to speak. You can hear it. You can touch it. You can be typhus. The five senses, I can't even grasp it. And even with my Seichel Hadak, I can't define what its essence is. I can reach the conclusion that it exists. In the Lashon of the Seich, I could be Teufus, it's Metzius, not it's Mohus. You know the between Metzius and Mohus? So listen, the word Metzius comes from the word Motsui, existence. The word Mohus comes from the word Mahu. What is it? Chachem Mahu Oimer. So the Rebbe Dayat said, what you are, you say. Your words express who you are. 
Mohus is mahu. The metzius of the nefesh, I could know. That it's motzu, it exists. The mohus of it, mahu, what is it? Nobody can describe it. It's too abstract, it's too transcendent. It's not tangible. My mind's antennas can't grasp it and define it. It doesn't lend itself to that definition. There's an element of mystery there. There's an element of transcendence there. So he says, what happens in Taita, on Yutas Kislev, is something extraordinary. That even the Pnimius of Taita, the Neshama of Taita, becomes like the goof. It becomes more revealed. We said that the difference of the two parts of Taita is like the goof and the Neshama. Now we'll understand the Chiddush of Yutas Kislev. That even the Neshama of Taita is revealed to the point that you could learn it, you can grasp it through Seichel. A person's mind can learn it and grasp it just like he grasps Nigla. Of course, I don't fully grasp it. There's always layers upon layers and layers, just like a shtikl gemara. It's infinite. There's layers upon layers upon layers, just like a mishnah, just like a pasuk chumash. But the balshamtiv, the magid, and then Yutaskislov, the balatanya, took these teachings and brought it down in a way that it's much more tangible. You could learn it, you can breathe it, you can internalize it, you can grasp it. Of course, everybody according to their level. Furthermore, you can share it. You could spread it out. Chutzah. Chutzah means it can reach places that are very far. If every Chiddush in Torah is mirrored in a Chiddush in the Shamasis in Bayidin, and every Chiddush by Jews is mirrored in a Chiddush in Torah, so the Chiddush in Torah of Yutas Kislev, Yafutsa Maynei Secha Chutsa, that the Neshama could come out, is also reflected by the Jewish people as well. That what? That the Neshama of a person, which on its own is inaccessible, it remains intangible, it remains concealed, as we said, should come out and be manifested in a much more revealed way. What do we mean a revealed way? It should exist and live within the body. The body should be able to be a transparent conduit for the soul. It shouldn't remain anymore a state where the soul lives in its world. And the goof is, of course, connected to the soul, but ultimately it's two oilamas, two worlds. No. That the neshama becomes begilui, like the guf. In other words, within the guf, which is the part of life that's tangible, one should be able to live with the neshama. And he says in footnote 19, By the Rebbe, everything was, was a gemara. <laughs> or a gemara or halacha. Because no, <laughs> you saw clearly that nigla and primius are not two separate toiras. Every nekudah of Pnimius is, is expressed in Nigla. And every nekudah of Nigla is an expression of Pnimius. And the two are completely one. So by the Rebbe, you saw this in an extraordinary way. I don't remember even what, I don't know, it was almost never the Rebbe could give a long pilpul in a Rambam, in a Rashi, in a Sugi, in Gemara, a Siyah, And then you always know. And this whole thing is a reflection of Pnimius, Atayda. Or if he spoke about Pnimizatari, he would say, and now let's see how it's expressed in Nigla. So right away he says here, the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, Adam la Amal Yulat, a person was born to toil. So there's three opinions there. Amal Malacha, Amal Sikh, the conclusion is Amal Taira. Toil of work, toil of conversation or prayer, and toil of Taira. The conclusion is a person was created for the toil of Taira. If this is why a person was created, so then when there's a Chiddush in Taira, and a person was created for toil in Taira, so this Chiddush also becomes... A chiddush in the person. What does this mean? 
What does this mean that on Yotas Kislev, there was a new ability, a new potential, a new kayach that Hashem planted into the world and into the Jewish world, that the Neshama could come out into the guf. What does it mean? Just like it happens in Torah, Yafutza, my Nesecha Chutza, the Neshama of Torah comes out, <coughs> that's the Chiddush of Chassidus, it happens, it begins in the person. First of all, we learn here a tremendously fundamental idea. There's no real, in, listen to what I'm telling you, there's no innovation in an idea if that innovation doesn't happen in the person. That doesn't exist. If the innovation of the Chiddush didn't happen in the person, it didn't happen in the idea because they're one. If it's a superficial Chiddush, then it doesn't have to happen in the person. But if it's a real Chiddush in Torah, and the Shamas Yisrael are one with Torah, it automatically happened first, or at least simultaneously in the person. Bir Hadavar. The explanation is, In the relationship of the soul and the body, and the revelation of the soul through the body, there's two different approaches. Aleph, he's got two different States of consciousness, I should say. Aleph is galus on a shama b'midik kazu sheyesh l'shlita laguf aguf nichnela avol b'kolzen nirgish aguf k'metzius laatzma. Both states of consciousness are very powerful. They're very profound, but it's two states. State number one is the neshama is revealed. The soul is revealed in the guf, in the to the point that it can rule the guf, and the guf becomes subservient to it. But still. The guf is felt as a separate reality. But the authentic relationship between Hashemah and guf in a much more profound way is that the soul is so revealed to the point that the body does not experience itself as a separate entity. It experiences itself as an extension, as a conduit of the Hashemah. In the first state of consciousness... The body is ruled by the neshama. The body recognizes the soul. It's subservient to the soul. But it has its own autonomous identity, even though it's subservient to the soul. This means the soul is not completely revealed. It's revealed to some degree. There's a relationship. If not, the body wouldn't listen to the neshama. But still, the body is separate. We'll explain a little later what this means in more practical ways. On the deeper level, there's oneness. And what do we mean by oneness? The soul is so deeply revealed. It all has to do with how deep with how powerful is the revelation of the soul. When the soul is revealed less, the body can be separate. When the soul is revealed more, what happens? The body doesn't experience itself as a separate entity. And this is the authentic state of the neshama being revealed in the body. Let's give an example. Let's give an example to the second state of consciousness when it comes to the body and the relationship of the body with the nefesh Bahamas and the nefesh achiyunas. We were talking about the neshama, which is the transcendental divine core of the person. But let's talk about the electricity of the body. What's the relationship between the guf, the corpse, and the, the chius of the guf? The, what's called nefesh achiyunas in Tanya, nefesh Bahamas, the animal consciousness, the biological consciousness. The electrical currents that give life to the body. That chius, that energy, that electricity that keeps the body alive 
and make sure that all of the nine systems of the living organism of the human being are functioning, or really any other, any animal, any living organism. What's the relationship? Nobody's going to tell me that, you know, the body really has its own mahalach, but the soul is more powerful, and the soul gives a commandment and rules over the body, and then what happens? The body listens and says, okay, if this is what the boss wants, I'll do what the boss wants. That's not how life works. The guf and the nefesh, achiyunas, are completely in sync with each other. They're really one, because the soul is the chiyus of the guf. It's not a boss sitting somewhere in the office and sending out commandments. The two are completely united and connected. The body is unified with the soul, with the ultimate oneness. Its very core is aligned with the soul, and the ultimate alignment. The soul doesn't have to give commandments to the body to listen to it. It's automatic. Yeah. To, give, to give a simple example, I'm teaching now. Yeah. I lift up my hand from time to time, right? What's the process? The process is, my brain sends a message and says, you know, you're giving a shear. I think right now the appropriate thing is to lift up your hand. <laughs> so the hand says, whoa, 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 excuse me. I am still didn't wake up yet. <laughs> if that's happening, we know that there's something very wrong. You run to the doctor, you run to the ER. It's not even the hand says, listen, I'm not in the mood, I'm not interested, but you're the boss. You're the boss, I don't have a choice. You're the melech. You, you, could, you could take away everything I have, I have to listen to you. That's not pshat. It's not, there's a goof and there's a nefesh, and the nefesh tells the goof to do something, and then the goof does it. And that's the reason why the atheists could claim that there's no soul. Why can the atheists claim there's no soul? Because the soul and the body are so tight, they're so interconnected, they work in so much, a healthy body works with this, works in so much unison and synchronization with the soul to the point that you can't differentiate. They say it's just a machine. Wait, look at a machine, there's a soul and there's a body. It's, the machine is just the physical, the physical structure where the electricity flows. The relationship is so deep to the point that they're denying that there's anything outside of a body. Of course, that's not the case. There is a soul. But the soul doesn't have to command the body. The body is not a separate thing. The goof hates it. I'm just an, an expression of the nefesh. Why did I pick up my hand? Because a healthy body is an expression of the nefesh. This is a marshal. Just as this is true in the marshal. Between the body and the biological soul, this will help us understand the second level we discussed, the, rela- the possible relationship between the guf and the nefesh alikis, and the spiritual divine soul in the person. The chiyos of a neshama by the Jewish people, the Jews are called atem kruyim adam. The Gemara says in Yevamas, Samachalaf, as he says in 22, you're called adam. Why adam? The word adam comes from the word adama, earth. But the Shalosh says, adam is adam elyon. The word Adam comes from Doima. You're a mirror of heaven. You're a mirror of Hashem. That's the Shalos Pshat, what Adam is. What's an Adam? Adam is you're a mirror of infinity. You ever had a better definition of Adam? A mirror of infinity. What's Adam? What's Adam? Adam Mela'elyan. You're Doima Mela'elyan. You're a mirror of Einsef. That's who you are. Atem Kriyam Adam. Now that's something special. Atem Kriyam Adam. This is a unique thing. 
that even the physical life of the Jew is ultimately rooted in the Nefesh Alekis. It goes through the Nefesh Bahamas. It goes through the biological consciousness. It goes through the electrical currents of the body. But it's essentially from the divine soul. So what's the second state of consciousness we're talking about? Not that there's two separate things and one rules the other. That's also a relationship. But rather, that the guf ha-Yisraeli, ayidash guf it feels that its whole identity is what? A vessel, a facilitator, a conduit for the soul. Because the soul has one mission in life. What does the soul want? The soul wants dveikus. Dveikus, dveikus, dveikus. Mili bashamayim ve'imchalei chavatz dibarts. The soul wants to be one with infinity. The soul wants to be what it really is, a chelik elekami mal mamash. The soul wants to do and fulfill Hashem's will. Hashem's will in everything in life. But there's one issue. So much of Hashem's will you can only fulfill if you have a body. How do you give tzedakah without your hands, without money? How do you give tzedakah without a wallet? How do you put on tefillin without the straps of an animal and without an arm and a head? How do you put on tzitzis if you don't have a goof? On a shama without a goof, can't wear tefillin, can't give tzedakah, can't put on tzitzis, can't light Shabbos candles, can't put on a mezuzah on the door, can't make a bracha on food, can't make kiddush on Shabbos, can't do a favor to somebody else. So therefore, the goof, you need the goof. So what's the goof? The goof is the facilitator for Ein Saif. It's no separate things. It's not, there's a neshama that is holy. And there's a goof that's a shtikl tzoya, shtikl dirty and filthy. Elamai, b'stan er you're a good Jew. So the goof is going to listen to the neshama. That's the first level. The goof is going to be ruled by the neshama. The second state is, just like the goof and the nefesh Bahamas and nefesh it's not two separate things. Not like, my, my, my brain says, pick up the hand. The body says, eh, okay, I'll listen to you. It's the Chathila one. This is also true in the deeper level of the Nefesh Alekis, that when the Nefesh Alekis is more revealed, the person sees the goof as a Chathila, not as a separate Metzius. There's no dichotomy. They're not split. There's no war between them. What is the goof? What is the identity of the goof? The identity of the goof is a facilitator for the Neshama. In the physical world. That's what a goof is. Ah, as a goof. I'm a chaya. As a goof, that's my cushion. This means, This means, when a person really gets more in touch with their deeper divine soul, they appreciate that the very identity and the very purpose of the human person, of the Jew is, you are a mishkan for Hashem. Who are you? You are the conduit for infinity. That's what you are. Who are you? You're, you're a mishkan. You're the place where the Ein Soiv dwells. That's who I am. Infinity shines through me. That's what the Chazal say on the Pesach. It should have said, I will dwell in it. Why did it say? So Chazal say, I will dwell among them. Every heart is a little Beis HaMikdash, or a big Beis HaMikdash. Every soul is a Mishkan. I will dwell in you, in Ayidish hearts, in your heart, in your mind, in your behavior, in your body. Who, there's no conflict. Stop with the conflict. There's no opposition. Not God is in heaven, and you're on earth. The soul is for Shabbos and Yom Kippur by Ne'ilah, and the guf is for Cholent and Barbecues. 
Elamai, I don't have a choice. God is the boss. I want Ganeidin. I want Elam Haba. I want Schar. I want to do the right thing. I realize that it's true. So therefore, I do the right thing. No. It's also... We don't, we're not mevatel anything. We're not mevatel somebody whose goof listens to the neshama. Keeps you out of trouble. Keeps you away from addiction. Keeps you away from nasty things. Keeps you away from morality. You don't break the law. It's good. <laughs> we're not mevatel anything. This is nekoi taiklola Here's a klal in parentheses. Maybe it belongs for the fabrengen, but we'll put it in here. And that is, whenever I'm being mevatel something, Whenever I'm being mavatal something, it's because I'm not fully in touch with the deeper place. When you're fully in touch with the deeper place, there's always an element of tainug. You're not mavatal other things. In other words, when I need to be mavatal somebody or something else, it's because there's a little bit of a threat. And because there's a little bit of a threat, I have to bury you. When there's real wholesomeness, I don't have to judge. I don't have to put down other things and other people. So, it's not there's a dichotomy. There's a neshama in one place and there's a guf in another place. There's the recognition of the Jew. When you really sense the neshama, you understand that your whole reality, your guf and your neshama together are a base hamikdash. The neshama is the spiritual dimension and the guf is what brings it down into the real world. I want to put on tefillin. I need a guf. I want to give stuka. I want to do, I want to feed a poor man. I need to get food and I need to cook it in my pot and I need to taste it with my mouth to make sure there's not too much salt as we'll soon see. And I have to give it to the poor person. Wow. The Rebbe says, you want to understand what this is? This is a good marriage. What's a good marriage? What's a good marriage? There's two types of marriages. One marriage is, yeah, the husband says or the wife says, listen, I don't have a choice. I want Shalom bias. I'll do what he says. <laughs> I want to, I'll do what she says. Okay, you know, and you go, you do it. We're not mavatul it. It's good, it's good. Do, do what she says. Take out the garbage. Yeah. Go to Evergreen. Yeah. You need to get the wine. Yes, yes, yes. Go to the airport. Yes. It's beautiful. It's amazing. But there's something called Ishik Sheda. What's The whole Shira Shirim is based on the fact that we're in a marriage with Hashem. says it's not pshat that she agrees to do what her husband wants or he agrees to do what she wants. The pshat is that they really become one. Now, we're talking here a real powerful marriage. This has to be worked on. Becomes one. What does it mean it becomes one? Becomes one doesn't mean that they're the same person. There's a husband, there's a wife. But it means there's a point, it's not, conf- it's not a conflict anymore. There is full trust. There's full synchronization. Of course, I want to do your will. I feel my oneness with you, this absolute belonging and loyalty and trust. It's the beginning of Matzasas Levavi Namalafanacha. The Gemara says in Gitin, Mashakon Se'ishakonabayla. What a woman acquires, her husband acquires. This is a marshal for Hashem and the Jewish people. You have sometimes, a woman says, you know what? I acquired this, but my husband really wants to have partnership in this, so I'm going to submit it to him. That's not the vart. is not a decision. It's bederech because halacha sees them as one. Now, of course, if he's abusive, this is going to be dysfunctional. 
if he's abusive, she's not going to allow what she's kind of, it should go to him. We're talking, the halacha is describing the ideal relationship where there's absolute trust and transparency and oneness. So mashakonsi ishakana bayil is not a decision. She says, you know, I want shalom bayis, I'm going to give it over to him. It's automatic. It's in the hergish of the marriage. Halacha is describing that type of relationship. I know there are exceptions, and I know there are distortions, I know that people take advantage of it. We're not talking about that and how halacha deals with that. We're talking in a good, healthy situation. But it becomes his. Why? Because they're married, because they're one. It's like an example. I pick something up with my right hand, and then my left hand says, can I have it? No, 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 no. It's for the right hand. It's not for the left hand. It's a litzonis, right? It's the right hand. It's not the left hand. If it belongs to the right hand, it belongs to the left hand. I, I pick something up and I want to eat it. No, no, it's not for the mouth. It's only for the hand. You're joking? It's one. There's a goof. It's one. You understand? That's People who don't understand halacha, they're like, oh, feminism, women's rights, women's rights, women's rights. You don't get it. <laughs> they don't get it. is not an abuse of women's rights. On the contrary, it's the ultimate women's rights and men's rights. It's the ability for them to work together, for them to be one, for the woman to feel that her husband is really nurturing her to the point that she wants everything to be part of him. Just like he wants everything to be part of her. There is the financial structure in Allah. Allah believes that women should not be occupied with money and shouldn't be stressed out about money and shouldn't have to deal with finances so they can completely be focused on the energy and the ambiance in the home. Okay, so you have to figure out how that structure works in your life and what it works. But the concept of it is, the concept of it is not to take away money from the wife. The concept is that the wife should be able to feel that we're completely one. Yutaifus. It's a concept of trust. But the Ksuva says that I have to give it to him, so I'll give it to him. Okay, that's not the Vart. Kanabila automatically. Because we're not living in separate worlds. Now I know not everybody has that marriage. I know that. I know that. It takes a lot of work. You heard the Sunday night uh, marriage uh, Lakewood thing. So given Lebedic. Three hours. Almost three hours. Two hours. Whatever it was. Two hours, two and a half hours. It's not it's not so simple. You have to work on this. A Jew is Hashem's wife. Who are you? How does a wife feel? Does a wife feel, I really, I don't know if I'm interested in you. <laughs> but at some point, I want shalom bias. I don't want to get divorced. So I'll stay with you. This is what you want. I'll do it. That's not the vart. Yes, it's good for a husband to listen to a wife and for a wife to listen to a husband. It's very good. But there's a much deeper, there's a much deeper consciousness. Deeper consciousness is belonging, loyalty, oneness. You have to work on it. If you're angry, it's not going to happen. If you're resentful, it's not going to happen. If you're traumatized, it's not going to happen. There really has to be a cultivation of trust on both levels. And the same is true spiritually. Hashem and the Jew. But that's the real shot. It's not because I want Shalom Bayez, so I'll, I'll let him be the boss. Because she's aligned with Ritzayin Bayla. And why is she aligned with Ritzayin Baila? Because Ritzayin Baila is aligned with her. Son, he lives on one planet. He shoots forth commandments. Oh, gosh. Kaddish, Kaddish, Kaddish. She's aligned with his will because his will is aligned with her. And what is this in the Nimshal? That the Guf and the Neshama are not two separate realities. The husband and the wife are aligned with each other.
We'll do this paragraph. And even a Jew who says, listen, I'm not an Ishik Shade. I'm not going to say that I'm Hashem's wonderful spouse. But every Jew, im kebonim, im kavodim, every Jew is an Eved. What's the halacha by Eved? The Gemara says in Psachim and Kiddushin, and the Rajb explains it. Rajbin Kiddushin Chav Gimel, as he says in footnote 30, Mashakana Eved Kana Rabbi. What an Eved, what a servant acquires, automatically is acquired by the master. What's Pshat in the Gemara? Not Pshat that an Eved doesn't rebel against his master. It doesn't only mean that he agrees to use the assets or the money that he acquires based on the will of the master. It doesn't even mean that he's ready to give it away to the master. Three things. It doesn't only mean that he's not rebellious. It doesn't only mean that he's ready to do with these assets and money what the master wants. It doesn't even mean that he's ready to give it up. That's not what it means. Mashakana Evet Kana Rabbi means Melechatchila. There's no Evet. There's only a Rabbi. What the Evet acquires automatically goes to the Rabbi. What does this mean in Pneumius? What's that being an Evet of Hashem? It's even, even if you're not an Isha, there's marriage, there's an Evet. What's that a, a real Evet? Again, don't confuse this with slavery in the South. We're talking here an Evid of Hashem. In other words, your true core, your true essence. You're an Evid to your real, to your real Pneumius, right? So what is an Evid in Halacha? What the Evid acquires, halachically, doesn't go into his bank account, and then the boss could come into your bank account and take the money. That's not Pshat. Ma'ashekona Evid, lechatchilekona rabbi. Yad Evet ke Yad Rabbi. It's like I'm an extension of his hand. What I was koine is already is. Because there is so much kinship, there's so much connection. You see this in halacha by a koine with truma. If a Yisrael eats truma, what's the, what's the penalty? Very, very serious. A Yisrael to eat truma is misa b'day shamayim. There's a, unless you do truma. It's such a serious desecration of holiness. Because truma is holy food. And if a Yisrael eats it, it's a t- t- tremendous desecration of holiness to the point that he cuts himself off from his source of life. Now listen to this. A Koyin acquired a servant who's not Jewish. He's an Evet Knaini. He became semi-Jewish. He can eat truma. Moshe Rabbeinu, the holiest Jew in the world, if he's not a Koyin, like as if Moshe was a Koyin, but a holiest Jew in the world, if he's not a Koyin, eats truma misabadeh An Evet Knaini, he's not a Jew. Yesterday he was not Jewish. He just came in and he's still not Mechoyev and all the men. He can eat Shum. Why? Why? Strong question. Now what's the answer? The answer is, he's not eating the Truma. The Kayan is eating the Truma. He's a Kenyan of the Kayan. He's an extension of the Kayan. Just like Ishtar Kegufoy, there's a certain element that the Evet, Kenyan, Kaspar, it's a part of the Kayan. He's not eating it as a separate person. He's eating it because he's the Kayan could eat it. And he's part of the Kayan. We say in the morning, You remember that piece of davening? So there's an Isha, there's an Evid, but the similarity is that the Guf is not a separate Metzius surrendering itself. That's the first state. A much deeper and more authentic state when you feel more of the Neshama. Or in the Mashal, when you feel more of the presence of your husband and the love of your husband and the loyalty of your husband and the connection to your husband, what happens in the marriage? The Isha now doesn't have to surrender. What do they call it? The surrendered wife? (laughs) 
I don't mean to mix in that concept. It's not for now. I don't have to surrender to your reality. And we're not talking here about surrender in terms of abuse. We're not talking about that. Then there's no marriage. We're not. We're talking there's a marriage. There's a normal marriage. People are fine. They're functional. One level is, this is what he wants. This is what she wants. For Shalom bias, I'm going to do it. And we all have those moments. And you know what? It's fine. It's wonderful. There's still a loyalty and a dedication. This is the right thing. But when the wife and the husband feels the connection, the loyalty, the love, the trust, the belonging, the commitment, the dedication, the honesty, the authenticity, what happens now? When the neshama is revealed, really, the goof realizes this is who I am. I'm not fighting myself. We're lechatchila one. I'm a facilitator for my soul. I'm a base hamikdash for the answer. That's who I am. For this, you have to have the gilui hanashama. It's not a challenge in the goof. It's a challenge in the neshama has to come out because if you don't feel the presence of infinity, the goof can't be transformed. This is nekoit haiklala biyadcha. There are those who try to transform the goof without introducing it to infinity. You can't. You can't. It's like telling a wife, become one with your husband, your whole identity. And his identity become one without her feeling her husband's commitment. Can that happen? It's, it's, it's terribly abusive and traumatic. It has to start, the neshama has to be behizgalus. And then the goof could say, ah, okay, this does this shine. This I'll be, this I'm ready to be mevatel myself to. It's also true with a real chassid and a real rebbe. People say, the chassid has to dedicate himself to the rebbe. It starts with the rebbe, not with the chassid. <laughs> It starts with the Rebbe, not with the Chassid. If the Chassid feels that this Rebbe is a conduit for Ein Saif, without ego, without agendas, of course I'm part of this. People say, you're not a Chassid. No. The Rebbe has to be a Rebbe for me to be a Chassid. People don't talk about this, but this is the Emes. Atatafes. That's what he says in Bez, Gewaldik. In the, in the, she It starts with the neshama. When the neshama is behizgalos, then the goof can zechvalidin. Then the goof could lose its metzias. When the neshama is not behizgalos, the goof says, "All I have is me." What? It's like a woman who says, "What? What do you mean I should become one with him? All I have is me. I got to protect myself." Only when I derher the mesik is the truth of Einoid Mulvadu can there be this type of bittel, this type of achdos. So here we have two states of how the neshama is revealed in the body. And this is the beginning of the explanation, what yafutsu my nesecha chutz is, just like in Torah. The neshama of Torah comes out on Yutaskis liv. Yutaskis liv, the neshama of a Jew, comes out in a revealed way in the guf, to the point that there is oneness. As we will continue to elaborate and explain and apply to our lives in the continuation of the sikha, which we will continue, Bezer Hashem, Thursday morning, 7.30 a.m. See you there. Have a wonderful, beautiful inspiring and unified day. Let's take some questions. First question on the chat. To be mevater is to deal peacefully with a husband, but it's still being mevater. Everything you're saying, I say, yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much. It's a goal. Yes, it's a goal, but it's a goal that we, if two people, if two mature people are ready to work on themselves, these are goals that we can achieve. I wouldn't look at it as just an impossible goal. I mean, unless it's a, you know, it's a difficult situation. I would look at it as a goal that we can achieve. Let me go to the next questions, to the other questions. Okay. Number one. 
The Maggid gave his last Torah about Yaakov sending Malachim. Or aspects of the Malachim to Esau, while the Neshama stayed with him. The Maggid was well aware that he was soon to pass away. Was he teaching something about sending or returning his own Neshama back on high? The Neshama comes down on a Shlichus and returns as a return Shlichus. And perhaps even as his Neshama came down here, it never really left. That's beautiful. We know that a certain aspect of the Neshama remains near the body in the grave. Perhaps the Magad was teaching. Just like there are parts of Malachim that remain with Esav, aspects of the Neshama would be remaining here below. And this was a comfort to his disciples. I'm going on high, but my writings remain with you. In other words, there's going to be a part of me that remains with you even after I pass away. Beautiful. Next comment or question. The way I understand it is that Chassidus is the nuclear energy of Torah. Like nuclear energy exists. But it doesn't, but did it transform our physical world? Einstein, it said, it merely revealed nuclear energy, which was there all along, but it had to be revealed. Chassidus was always there, but it had to be revealed. It's like nuclear energy to be able to split the atom. It turns out that the timely revelation of nuclear energy and its practical application with the nuclear or atomic bomb helped end the war, the Second World War in 1945, just in time. They just took out the top nuclear scientist in Iran last week. Just imagine, had they taken out our Einstein before he was able to bring his science to the practical application of the bomb. Can we say that the Tanya was the atomic bomb of Chassidus in a positive sense? And further, can we say that the atomic bomb of Tanya and its fallout with Chassidus down to our time also came just in time to win the war against the opposing forces of the widespread watering down of Yiddishkeit, mass assimilation, terrible persecutions and holocaust that came at the heels of the Tanya in the 1800s down to today. In Tanya and subsequent Chassidus, the atomic energy used by 5,000 plus Chabad houses and all Jews who learn Chassidus today in the world are the military regiments and outposts around the world. Do you think this is an accurate description? Very geschmack. Very, very geschmack. Good stuff. Okay, next question. Relatively speaking, perhaps we can say, our mind and our body is just about as dense as the refrigerator is compared to the electricity that animates it. Just as the fridge is incapable of understanding much, let alone understanding of electricity that flows into it and vivifies it, our minds and bodies cannot understand the neshamas vivifying our own bodies less maybe than the refrigerator understands electricity. It's a true example, it's a true example, but we of course know that the brain is part of the body. And the brain is actually designed to be able to appreciate the meaning of life and the fact that there's electricity. So in that sense, we have a brain that is designed in order to be able to have awareness of certain aspects of reality beyond the refrigerator. You say that the body and soul can be united. How then can a person harm himself to the point that suicide is possible? Is it just that the body is sick? Is it that the neshama is, is it, where is the neshama's veto of such an extreme existential act? Doesn't the, does the body desire to overpower the neshama's desire in such a case? Excellent question. I would say that the pain is so deep. The pain is so, so deep that the person feels that they don't want to live. In other words, that aspect that gives life meaning is somehow overshadowed by the darkness of a person's anxiety and anguish and existential pain. So therefore, even though the body is a facilitator for the nefesh achayunis, for life, and a natural body wants to live, but something in the soul, in the brain, is so uh, is so distorted that the person's pain says it's better to, to forfeit life. 
just expresses extreme pain. You say that the wife is supposed to be liberated from financial stress so she could focus on other matters. Maybe it's like Shabbos. It doesn't restrict us from certain activities, but it liberates us to focus on other matters. Is Shabbos slavery or is Shabbos liberation? On Shabbos I can't drive my car or make a fire or cook, but that's a liberating day because it lets me focus on family and love and God and soul. So when the Torah says that the woman, she is supported by her husband and what she acquires goes to her husband, it's not a way of restricting her. It's a way of liberating her from financial stress. This is an excellent, excellent description. What happens when you don't agree with your master? You're hurt and you don't understand what's happening. Well, depends, that's why I said it depends who your master is. This can only happen if you realize that your master and you are one, that your master loves you infinitely, that you are an extension, because Einoid Mulvada, you're right, it can't happen with a slave and a master, you're right. <laughs> That's why we're not, no, we, we, we're using this as a marshal. With a slave and a master, yeah? unless you have Eliezer and Avram Avinu. Eliezer willingly, completely surrendered to Avram. Why? Because he felt that Avram was the Tzadik Ador. It's a whole different concept. Do, does my hand surrender to my brain? Yeah, you know why? Because it trusts my brain, because it knows that it is my brain. It's an extension of my brain. Through the central nervous system, the brain unifies the entire organism. So it's not an act of abuse or even a surrender. It's an act of oneness. So you're right. If the master is one that takes advantage of the slave, and the slave cannot appreciate the master and disagrees with him, then at best you'll have the first level. But when somebody appreciates the infinity of Ein Saif and the Nimshel, then it's a different level. That's why this second level requires the revelation of Ein Saif. Just like in a marriage, this can only happen when the wife feels the full presence of the husband. And conversely, it, it, it works both ways. Great questions. Great questions. Next question. How do I know if I as a husband am making a proper keli for us as a couple to become one? Ooh, good question. How do I know? I think the most important tool here is communication. Communication of inner feelings, right? The therapists are masking. I think communication of inner feelings. In other words, for you to communicate as often as possible how you're processing things, how she's processing things, and fix the distortions. Is she getting an impression of being used or not trusted or not feeling complete trust in you or the other way around? And there's that communication. We fix, we repair the broken parts until there could be complete fusion. Beautiful question. You speak about good and great health, emotionally, spiritually, socially, and marriage, wholesomeness. May we all continue to get healthier and healthier and affect others to become healthier, especially those of us who are ambassadors in training or junior ambassadors. I wish you all a meaningful and a beautiful day. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.